0: the call that every MMA fighter dreams of finally came in. The man they call the Asian sensation had nine days to drop 25 pounds and get to Las Vegas for his UFC debut. Adversity was nothing new to Andre Sukhampat. And on March 4th, 2017, he stepped into the cage, securing his place in history as the first Lao American to fight in the UFC. Andre's journey to the top wasn't easy by his side. In managing his career through the ups and downs is his wife, Jamie. Andre recently decided to hang up his gloves, so join us as we talk through the tragedies, victories, and what the future holds for Andre and his family.
1: Hey, welcome, everybody, to another episode of C4 Podcast, uh, Southeast Asian Athletes Achievement Through Adversity. I am here with my co-host, John Messina. And MMA, Asian sensation,
0: Andre Sukumtai. John? Yeah, hey, Andre, welcome to the show. I'm honored to be here with both of you guys. You are both athletes that have been inducted into the Lao American Sports Hall of Fame. <laughs> and uh, I know I know that's a, 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 big, a big thing there. Um, and we're, we're especially happy to have you on, Andre. We, we know you're busy. We appreciate you taking time out of your day. You've got an incredible story. You're an inspiration to many. Um, you know, a lot of people in the Lao community look up to you, but really a lot of people I'd say all over look up to you and you've done a lot of great things. So thank you for coming on the show and thank you for doing this interview. Um, a lot of people would love to hear a little bit more about you and your story and most importantly, where you're going to be going in the future. So with that, I know you grew up in uh, the Providence area, Woonsocket, Rhode Island. I love that town. I'm Italian. They have one of the best little Italys there in Providence. Um, Great food down there. So what I would say, it's different than a lot of the other little Italys in that it's not a tourist trap, per se. It's really authentic. So one of my favorite towns. So tell us a little bit about your family coming from Laos and growing up in uh, Providence area in Woonsocket.
2: I appreciate that, man. Yeah, I got so much love for the 401. That's the place that kind of made me who I am. Gave me a lot of grit. You know, I had to go through a lot of grit, a lot of adversity growing up um, uh, not just being loud, but, uh, Asian American, you know, <clears throat> I'm, I'm really happy that my parents got to migrate there, you know, cause if not, I wouldn't have all the lifelong friends that I have right now. You know, we are, we are a small community there, but, you know, I tell you what the love and support for me in the 401 in Rhode Island and New England, uh, from since day one, they have been loyal to me. And, um, that's what really kept me going and following my dreams and ended up making a pretty good career out of it. You know, as a kid, I was just, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot, you know, a lot lot of Americans can relate. I, um, I grew up, both of my parents were working because they were both immigrants. So we, we, we were far from being well, you know I mean? We're living paycheck to paycheck. Even when we were paycheck to paycheck, we're behind. And then the bills. You know, as a kid, I saw that. I saw my parents working hard every day, overtime all the time, overtime all the time, di- all the time. I'm the big brother, so that left me a lot of responsibilities. I have three siblings, so I was kind of like the dad at the house. Um, at a young age, you know, we're all five years apart, so I had to take care of each and every one of those kids while my parents were at work. Um, on the weekends, I would. My mom put me in traditional loud dancing, so I used to fawn a lot. I did that for about five years. Uh, I used to go to soccer tournaments with my dad. I was a big soccer soccer player growing up. That's what kept me out the streets. Um, my parents really invested in my soccer career because um, they knew that I took a liking to it. And when I did something, I I did it full on, you know, and, and they they saw that I loved what I did and I took it serious. So if I wanted cleats, if I wanted gloves, if I wanted anything soccer, they they bought it from me no matter how much it costs no matter how many extra hours they had to work they they supported me with that you know and that's what kept me in school that that's that's what you know sports saved my life man like basketball and soccer that's what kept me passing I was never the best student I was never I never wanted to be the best student you know and my parents never wanted me to be the best student they just wanted me to pass and if it wasn't for sports, I would have never passed because, you know, I had to be eligible, so I had to pass every class. And, um, yeah, I grew up around it all, even the, the fun stuff, the karaoke on the weekends, the, the good food, the, the temple celebrations, you know, the, the break dance and, the... <clears throat> and then I found MMA after high school.
0: So was there a big Lao community in Woonsocket and in Providence?
2: Yes, yes, and, and it's crazy. When you would say um, Laos and you say those two cities together, it, um, you wouldn't be able to because there was a lot, a lot of violence growing up too, you know, a lot of murders and a lot of fights because the state is so small and there was some, some, some violence with some gangs, some, some, some Asian gangs, Lao gangs, and, and I grew up around that too, you know, so it was rough for me. A kid coming from Providence, going to Woonsocket, Um it was really tough. Um, had a lot of fights, had to stick up for myself. That's what I meant. I had to go get by the grit, you know, it made me a little tough. But it's crazy because when I started fighting, um all that violence kind of stopped, you know, because they would all go and support me. And they'd be next to each other, side by side and, and cheering for me, you know. And it's funny, I got a DM from one of my friends and and he actually made me realize that like he was just like you know you stopped sen- you, you stopped like years of violence just for you fighting you know because yeah. everyone got to be in the same building and nothing happened you know because they were wow. disappointing you so that's, awesome. like, that's really fresh in my
0: mind <laughs> yeah so there were like rival gangs between providence and Socket? yeah and-
2: growing up pretty bad too
0: Yeah, that's incredible. So I guess you you showed them something positive to rally around together and brought them together, right, more than anything, I guess. They were just
2: happy, yeah. They were just happy a loud kid from the community was going for it, you know, and I was going for it, and they supported me.
1: Awesome, awesome. Well, you mentioned MMA. Tell us about uh, how you met your manager, uh, your wife, who happens to also be uh, your manager.
2: (laughs) Oh, man, so she she started this whole roller coaster with me, you know, because when when I started MMA, I didn't know anything, you know, I didn't know how to, what medical, I don't know what she, medicals, like, I would see these papers, I need to get this, this, and this, so I'm like, what the heck is all these medicals, you know, so I would just hand them to her, and she'd be like, oh, you need this, she would make a call to the doctor's office, let me know I'm coming, and as an amateur, that's kind of how it all started oh man, I want to fight, can you help me look for a fight? She would reach out to promoters and and say, hey, um, she wouldn't even say my boyfriend at that time, she was, say, hey, this guy wants to fight, one of my guys want to fight, you know, she act as my manager. So even when I started MMA at 18, you know, when I started competing as an amateur, she would do that for me. She would reach out to these promotions. She would negotiate deals, ticket sales. I was a big ticket seller because, like I said, the community was behind me a lot. So she she would negotiate all that, every little thing, like per uh, diems, make sure, you know, there was a sauna nearby. If there wasn't, you know, maybe had a passage on I can make weight, all those little things. And, and, and we kind of just grew together, you know. As far as management, you know, the level got higher, you know, as I became a pro and as became, I got to the UFC, UFC, continue her, you know, with her supporting me and handling all that stuff for me. Um, she also helps me a lot um, in life too, you know, like when, when I need, when, you know, like she scheduled this meeting, you know, she does, so she does a lot of my PR and, and stuff like that. So she's just like my personal secretary that's very underpaid. But she got
0: my love, you know. Right? <laughs> that's right, man. She she does. Yeah, that's incredible. Ko and I, Co's a professional athlete as well, and we were talking that's about amazing, that earlier. Man. Right? You know, Ko, you know, I,
1: yeah, what, what's what's funny is I, I didn't I, I we just talked about that, man. It would have made my life a lot easier I had I had, you know, a manager. Um I think I had people that wanted to represent me. Yeah, but it, it was it was shady, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah I didn't, exactly. You know, you didn't know who to trust and i got screwed over by uh you sometimes
2: know. you take those risks and you get screwed over. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah
1: that's part of it's part of the business you know right we in one way we have a sport you know the sport of bodybuilding the sport of fighting mma fighting but then there's the business of mma fight and then there's a the business of bodybuilding and that that's worth me i couldn't separate i didn't know how to separate that you know so for you having her take care of all that you know all, all the bullshit, right? I mean,
2: that's yep. pretty awesome. Yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. You, you nailed it. Um, just as much as we love what we do, you love to bodybuild, you love to work out, I love to train, I love to compete, but it's a business too, you know? that. Yeah. That's how we're able to make, a. you know, to, to make it a big part of our lives so that, you know, we get compensated for it or, you know, we get some recognition for it for doing what we love. Yeah. You know, yeah, And and am um, very blessed to have her behind me. You know, she she helps me a lot. She takes awesome. a lot of stress off my
0: shoulders. Awesome. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So you were fortunate enough to get your start in MMA right there in your hometown because it's the home of CES MMA. Um, so tell yes, us about your that. early start, your career. And I know your father trained you. Talk us through that and getting started with CES.
2: Yeah, so... Um, when I got signed to CES, I think, um, you know, I came off being uh, the number one amateur in the region, but I actually lost my pro fight with another promotion. And I saw CES, they, they're really famous for boxing. You know, they, they've brought up a lot of boxers from the area, like Vinny Pass, Peter Manfredo, guys like that. And they were very respected in, in the boxing promotion world. And they saw that that MMA was coming up, so they started a MMA, you know, a, MMA branch. <clears throat> so I would go to these shows at the at the casino in Rhode Island, and these shows would be awesome. The way they ran things, everything was so professional, and they knew how to promote their their fighters. So I told I told Jamie like, hey, you know, she was thinking the same thing. Hey, we need to get into this show. So. After my first time fighting for CES, you know, uh, it was just a fight. They, they didn't really know who I was. They didn't really do too much homework on me. But I, I did a really good performance. I made a really good performance. It was a really exciting fight. I had a lot of people in the crowd for me. So, of course, they liked that, you know. And I turned into a fan favorite, you know. My fan base just kept growing and growing and growing in Rhode Island and New England. And um, I would sell out the place every time I fought. So you know, CES they, they they signed me to like five fight deals, four fight deals, and they kept me busy. They they they, and every time I wanted to fight, they they got to find an opponent for me, and good opponents. You know, I never said no to an opponent. I fought everybody. I won some and I lost some. You will see on my record. You know, I never got an easy opponent. Um, I always wanted a, a test. They wanted. Me to have a test and um it was a good place to, to start my career and, and and end my career you know they they they're awesome i, I really um appreciate them and I'll, I'll be team CES for life no matter where i'm playing tell yeah, us that's... about
1: the time tell us about your time in the, the ufc so which is where a lot of people I think I MMA, mean, right? They think UFC, they think Dana White, and tell us about that. Tell us your experience with Dana White. Did you like have a conversation? Did you talk to him at all, or how was how that?
2: My longest conversation with Dana White was probably um, at a retreat he had for all the fighters in Las Vegas when um, IMG took over and um <laughs> I think we were both kind of drunk and we were just talking for like 10 minutes. And he was like, and we weren't talking anything about fighting. He was like, it was a time to celebrate, you know, he wanted to get back to the fighters and and the fighters were celebrating. We were letting loose and having fun. And he was just telling me about everything that was coming up that weekend. You know, we had a Snoop Dogg concert. We had a carnival. He was just like, Andre, you you know, and and we had a lot of mutual friends because he's from Boston. So we talked a little bit about that, too. But when it came to business and stuff, I never really talked to him. It was mostly Jamie that, that talked to those guys, you know. And, um, you know, you hear good things about the UFC. You can hear bad things. But I have no bad things to say about the UFC. They treated me pretty good, you know. Um, I never really said no to them. Maybe that was kind of my fault, you know. They wanted me to fight in Mexico against um, – the Mexican star, I did that fight against, fighting Canada against the Canadian star. I did that fight in China, fighting China against their up and coming prospect. I did that, you know? So um, I'm sure they would say the same thing about me that I was really easy to work with. The very professional that's where every fighter wanted to be, you know? I, I did this before it was cool. I did this before people were watching this on TV, you know, and then it started becoming popular. And, yeah, now the whole world's watching. Everybody loves the UFC, but it wasn't like that when I first started. You know, it wasn't even like that when I first started fighting pro. So, for me to make it to, you know, for me as a young fighter, every, you know, I, want, I knew I wanted to be competing in the best, at the best promotion at that time, and that was the UFC. That was the NBA, to basketball, that was the NFL, to football, and it still is, and, um, that was always my goal and I made it there. And when I got there, it was everything that I thought it would be. You know, it was professional and uh, a lot of lights, a lot of fans, a lot of good treatment. It was cool.
0: Yeah. And yeah. you know, it's interesting because the way you got in, you you got called one day and said, come to Vegas pretty much now, right? And fight yes. is tell us about that. How do you you know, how did you do that?
2: Woo. So um, I was waiting for that call for maybe eight to nine months, you know, because I'm coming off three knockout wins. I defended my belt twice. The last three guys I fought were sleeping. And, you know, they, they, I knocked them out really bad. That's what the UFC likes. So I thought I was ready. I was ready for the band, band and weight division. And then um, they never called. I saw other guys get signed before me. I'm like, what the heck, guys in my weight class? And I'm just like, are you serious? But you know what? I... Kept training, I stayed positive. I actually signed another fight with CES. I was just, I'm not gonna sit around and wait for the UFC. It's been about eight, nine months now. I need to be active. I need a fight, I need some money, you know? So um, I went to go fight, I signed another deal. And then um, while I was in fight camp for that fight, maybe like, you know, just starting off that fight camp, I got a call. From the owner of the team I was on, he was just like, hey, you want to fight in the UFC? You ready to fight in the UFC? I was just like, yeah, of course. Where's it going to be at? Las Vegas. Okay, against two. Albert Morales. All right, let's go. You know, it was no question in my mind. Of course, I was scared. Of course, I was a little nervous. Um, of course, I knew that I had to drop about, you probably know about this, bodybuilding. I had to, but this was this was a short amount of time, you know. I had to drop 20 pounds in in eight days. Wow. And, That's and crazy. crazy. And, um, you know, I, my walk around weight is about 160, you know, and, and I was training, I was staying active and I was kind of, you know, starting my diet, not so serious. So I was walking around like 156, 155. I get the call and I'm just like, man, okay, this is what we got to do. So literally after I got the call, I went running. I ran like five miles that day at the gym later on. I did I did some jump rope. I went right into workouts, like no game planning, no preparation for the fight at all. Just focusing on the weight cut because I had to drop 20 pounds. And did um, yeah. I wanna make my debut, my UFC debut and miss weight, you know. Um, and that was really hard, you know. I I made the weight, I, I listen, I, I was having fun, you know, I, I flew to Vegas, I went with my wife. I told her to quit her job because it was an unhealthy environment. She quit her job. I was happy that she did that, and and I was just like, it's all good. I I was like, I got you for a little a little bit now, baby. You know, she she was just, she supporting me all these years. So I was like, I got you, I got you. Quit your quit your job. It's unhealthy for you. It's not good for your mental. Come with me to Vegas, and she did, and um, it was a good experience. You know, um, put into a hotel, all that stuff. And then when it came time to, to make the weight, though, it was really hard. You know, I, it probably took me about, no lie, 18 hours in all to make weight. It took me about two days straight, like just making weight, not drinking, not eating, just cutting weight, sauna, um, hot tub. And then I made the weight, man. Uh, I felt like, I felt, if, if there was anywhere. you know, I, I don't know, I've never been really sick or I've never been, you know, too injured, but. That was the closest I felt to like being sick or or, 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 yeah. or feeling like I, want, I was going to die. You know, also dehydrated. And I didn't even know I was on weight. You know, I, last time I weighed myself, I was like 136 and a half. And my coach was like, Hey, Andre, man, you're not looking good. And I just said, You know, effort. Let's go. Let's go weigh in. I don't care. If I miss weight by half a pound, I don't care. That was my mindset because I was dead. I wasn't going to kill myself. I stepped on the scale, I made weight. But, you know, even though I made weight, now it's rehydrating. You know, I just took all those pounds off, and you get sick even rehydrating, especially when you lose weight that quick. So I had to rehydrate. I felt sick the whole time. <laughs> so my say <laughs> de- debut, if you go back and watch it, you see that I get tired. I gas out. That's the main reason why. You know, the weight cut took a lot out of me. Uh, I only had eight, seven days to eight days to, to to lose the weight for the fight, and, and uh, I took it on a guy and that, that was preparing for the fight, you know?
1: Yeah, the fans don't know that stuff, you know? Like, you know, bodybuilding, man, same thing, losing weight, feeling sick, like, I, I feel like death. Yes, you know, exactly. and then you make weight and you step on stage. I just stepped on stage, man. You had to fight, you know? You had to fight and, and do all that physical work. I just, I dropped weight, you know, made weight, and then you know, whatever, you know, I, I stood on stage, but so I mean, it, it's still difficult, but it's nothing like it's strenuous,
2: of course. It's I, difficult, it, yeah, especially when you're doing it, yeah. even when you're not cutting the weight, even when you're just dieting, it's hard, yeah. you know. And and um, but it was all worth it, you know. I got to be the first Lao American fighter, yeah, in the yeah, UFC cage. It was a dream come true for me and my dad, not just me and my wife, but my dad also. I call, i said, Dad, right when I had the call, I called him that night, Dad. Pack your bags. We're going to Vegas. He didn't train me for that fight. He, I haven't even trained with him for, like, maybe half a year because I moved to Florida. I didn't care. I said, Dad, you're coming to Vegas with me. You're going to corner me my first UFC fight. And uh, even though I lost by split decision, it was a good fight, and um, it was a dream come true. It was a goal that, that I reached. That I wanted to be the 1st Lao Laos-American fighter, Laos fighter, to, to, to be able to compete in a cage. And, and not because I, I wanted to be. I just wanted the to prove the, to all the other Lao kids, like, yo, you can do it, too. And um, for me to be a guy to do it, I can say, see, you can do that, too. Or other guys, other kids can be like, hey, he did it, he's loud, and, and that's really what I wanted, you know, and, and I'm glad I achieved it.
0: Yeah. And you've had, you have inspired some because we've actually had some younger guys reach out to us um through the hall of fame and and ask about you and there's one guy in particular hayden allen he's wow. sixth ranked amateur boxer he's a division one, former division one college wrestler he's just getting uh, into yeah, it. Yeah. people won't step in the ring with them they look at division one wrestler sixth rank amateur boxer coming into mma uh, you better watch out right it's a dangerous combination
2: that, um, yeah i actually uh when you guys shouted him out, I think you guys shouted him yeah, out. Yeah, we right? shouted
0: him out as a rising star, yeah.
2: I, I followed him after that. So, yeah, yeah. You know, I love seeing that stuff. Like, if someone's really dedicated, like, he, the kid wrestled in high school. That's not easy. To finish high school and wrestle and be a standout, you're committed. You're dedicated. You kind of know what you want to do. And yeah. he's a boxer, too. Obviously, that's all going to lead into one thing, and that's MMA. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to his – uh watching his career grow and if he has any questions you know you can reach out to me anytime I would love to uh you know let him know what, what I've been through and you guys you know I didn't have that I didn't yeah, have that exactly, at all exactly
1: that, and that's why John up. and I that's why John and I created the hall of fame yeah so we can do that I'm retired you know so I you know whatever awesome, you know, buddy, right? if I get yeah, uh, up and you know, I always tell them, man, you got any questions, let me know. I'd love to be, you know, i I'd just love to be, uh, you know, help you out, and do, get back, yes. you know, so.
2: Absolutely. Much respect to you, too, man. Oh,
1: thanks, man. I'm hey, sure, I'm sure, some, I'm sure you're some able some to help
2: a lot body. of uh, the, the young youth, you know what I mean, that want to bodybuild and stuff. That's that's amazing. Man.
1: Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's big now, you know, it's got like the, it's got the, the, the shorts competition, you know, yeah. so like before we used to be bodybuilders, right? And I I, I try to uh, Uh, We kind of like laughed when it first came out. Like, what is the vision, you know? But it's gotten so popular, it's gotten more popular than than the body because people don't want to do, you know, all that, all that, you know, training this leg and that, you know? I mean, you can hide your legs, right? But it's it's just, you know, it's gotten popular. I think there are, there's a fellow in the Hall of Fame, James, uh, I forgot his last name. What was his last name?
0: Uh, Kitty Singh. yeah, What's Kinty Singh. Sing.
1: Yeah, he, he turned professional. He's got his pro card, so you know, hey, um, another you know, Laotian that's got a that's a professional bodybuilder. So
2: that's amazing. Man. I love I love seeing that. You know, I, I yeah. um, even though I've I've been there, I have fought in the UFC a lot of times. I have a couple belts. I don't care about what I did. I want I want to be alive and stick around to see what the next big star from, from studs, you know, and, and I wanted him to go much farther than me. Yeah. 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 Hey,
1: you, you mentioned your, your dad, uh, tell us about his career, a little bit about, uh, his fight career.
2: Oh man. So growing up, my dad was always, you know, he was always just like most, most people looking at their dad if their dad's around. He's, he's a hero. He's the strongest guy. He's. He was really the strongest guy he could really fight you know i would see him training all the time growing up um teach me a little bit of some stuff but you know i really didn't wasn't interested like but, did he fight um, back in laos or did he fight he, in state? he doesn't have many fights he probably fought in the, in the ring okay under 10 times maybe like i don't know maybe five to ten times but just like real casual in the refugee camps you know in oh, the wow. refugee camps okay. You would train, they would match you up, but not, nothing like what I did in front of a big crowd professionally, nothing like that. But um, he's a great trainer, you know, he he's a martial artist. So that's kind of where he came in to play. Um, you know, he just teaches me the techniques. My dad is good with the weapons. So, you know, he like uh, he, he studied uh, karate, he studied Muay Thai, uh, Muay Lao, you know what I mean, yeah. which what he represents. And he kind of put it all together and he's very smart with the game so we watch P- he's a lifelong martial artist he watches boxing he watches movies you know and, and he'll be like oh this is going to work and he'll just he used to just make me train these things if you watch my highlights i have a lot of flying knee knockouts why because when we train my dad used to make me warm up with flying knees for an hour straight before we did anything else you know so um that's kind of how my dad fits into this role. He didn't want me to be a fighter, you know. Even when I was young, I would ask him like, "Hey, I always wanted a box." He would. He wouldn't let me be a boxer. He was just like, "Stick to soccer." He didn't want me to get hurt. He didn't want me to break my nose. He thought I was too pretty for the sport, you know. Whatever. But but um, when I was really serious, when I was eighteen, and I was just like, hey, "I'm gonna try MMA," he hopped on board. He was, "Oh, you can kick too. Okay, I can show you a couple things because he likes to kick and knee," and. It's in the blood because my grandpa, yeah. my grandfather was a Muay Thai champion, too. Okay. Wow. He was a big dude. Like, he was, like, six foot two, six foot three, just a big guy. Um my, my dad's grandpa was a Muay Thai fighter from my, his mom's side. So, it was it was, uh, was kind of in the blood. And, and you would see that come out of me when I would compete in soccer, when I would compete in basketball. Like, I had, like, a drive to win. Like, nobody did. And when I lost, I cried. I cried. If I lost a game, it was a big game. I cried because I was so passionate about, you know, not only winning, but like I put so much into this. I want this. I want the glory. I want the, I want, I want to be the best. And when I couldn't be the best, when I couldn't get the glory, I would cry, you know, and that's kind of the fighter that was in me, that will come out in other sports. You know, if someone touched me the wrong way, I'd be the first one to be like, Hey, what's up? You got a problem? You know? and, And, um, (laughs) fighting was perfect for me i guess i'm glad i found it (laughs) that's
0: awesome so you know your roots run deep in laos and it's on our it's on my list you know my wife was born there left at like eight months old she's never been back we want to go back there and visit and check it out so you've been back um and you went back as an mma fighter already with kind of a name behind you what was it like going back what was your reception what did it mean to the people there
2: Man, I had people staring at me in the airport. They weren't sure if it was me. Um, and then when they did, it was pretty nice. You know, they, they came, that they took pictures with me. Uh, it was a quick thing uh, because it was right after my fight in China, and I was pretty beat up after that fight. You know, I broke my hand first round. I still finished the fight, but, but you know, I took a beat, and, you know, I couldn't block or anything, so literally just a punching bag for that guy. So my face was really bad. I had to wear sunglasses for the first two or three days that I was there, and I was only there for five, you know. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, I had I didn't want to do any business, you know. I, I I just wanted to see my family. I wanted my wife to see her family. That was the main goal. We had a plan, you know. It was like, okay, we land here in Vianchan. We're gonna spend the day here with my family. Here, took care of me. Boom, go out to eat. Next day, we went on the plane. We just the uh, next day, we went to uh, her family, so I spent the day there, because her grandfather and, and her dad's side is in Viancheon, so that was day two. Day three, we hop on the plane, we go to Sabaniquet. We spend two days there um, with my dad's side. And then uh, fourth day, we fly back to Viancheon, we spend the night there, and then we leave the next day. So we had all all Um, I wanted to see a lot of my family I got to see a lot of my family. Uh, I didn't really get to see my mom's side because she's really out there and the roads were bad at that time. It was like a a, a rainstorm going on that time. And and my mom's side still has no electricity, you know? So Mm -hmm. it was hard for me to get out there, but I'll I'll get out there. I'll I'll get out there and and, um, show some love and and give back to that family too when when, when, when I can go back out there, you know? Yeah, for sure. But it was amazing, man. Laos is like nothing... You know, it compares to no other place to me. Even being around Lao American people, it's kind of different too because over there, it's just so genuine. There's no, there's no hate. There's no, there's no bad talk. There's no jealousy. It's just like everyone's happy. Everyone, everyone is sabai. Literally sabai, and, and they're happy with what they got.
1: They eat what they have. Every the food is the best,
2: and
1: it's amazing. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I still worry about the taxi driver. How much he's gonna charge me you know
0: <laughs> you know well, Cole, i've been around the world you end up realizing you're negotiating over 50 cents right yeah the currencies yeah. Even, you know. yeah, that's
2: what i was gonna say even if he charges you a lot it'll probably be like two dollars
0: you know? yeah. so i'm gonna nice.
2: get five
1: speaking yeah. of allowed community speaking of allowed community tell us about your involvement allow community uh in rhode island and uh, we hear like you had an award too in Fresno. So tell us about Rhode Island. Uh, was it Woonsocket first, and then and then Fresno after that?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm just so I'm so blessed. Um, I get all these um awards because I'm recognized as like a loud leader or a loud inspirational man. Like I got one for being inspirational. I got a key to the city from Woonsocket because um, of what I do overall for that community. Yeah, I'm really tight with Winsaki because uh, one of my jobs when I was a up-and-coming fighter was uh, working at the Boys and Girls Club. I worked at the Boys and Girls Club, that local Boys and Girls Club. I started off teaching uh, boxing for kids, just, you know, kids that were in the streets. Uh, I kind of just taught them boxing. You know, it was like $10 a year, so I, I loved it. And then um, there was a spot that opened up in the actual Boys and Girls Club, so... I ended up working there for about six years, you know. So I worked at the local Boys and Girls Club, driving kids to school, picking them up from school, mentoring them, um, watching them grow up for about six years. You know, and I still keep in touch with some of them today. And and that means so much to me. So whenever I can give back to the community of Woonsocket, I try to, you know, and as far as, a, you know, doesn't matter what nationality, Lao or whatever. If, if you're from Osaka or if you're from Rhode Island, I tr- I try to support whatever I can, whatever you know is doing good there. And um, with Fresno, you know, I uh, I had my first UFC win in Fresno, so it's a special place mm-hmm. in my heart. And I also have a lot of fans in Fresno because Fresno has a big Lao community. So when I went to Fresno, like I had a big support too. I almost felt like I was at home, you know. And then after my fight, someone reached out to me. We became friends on on Facebook, on Instagram. I'm like, hey, come party! I, I got I got you. Uh, two. I got you VIP uh, at my club. And I'm like, okay. So me and my friends that went out to the fight, we went there. We had a blast, and, and um, I got you know, I got so like the hospitality was so good in Fresno. So I had the opportunity to speak for um, LACF, which is a nonprofit organization for young Lao students. They give a bunch of scholarships away every year, and um, I remember one time we did a fundraiser with Lao Supply. I sold some fight shirts, and we gave 100% of the profits to to that to that um, charity, and I got to give away like four scholarships, you know, and. and um, Whenever we can, we, we, whenever we, we try to help out the community, no matter what it is, you know, especially our loud people. So they really appreciated that. So they invited me back to do a speech there, which was two weeks ago. It was pri- uh, prior to that, I was supposed to do it in COVID. But then COVID happened, so they had to cancel everything. And then we finally rescheduled it, and we got it done. We got it done. There was like last two weekends ago, there was like 400 students that came out and I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what I saw with my own eyes, not just my speech when I came out all the kids were excited. You know, I was high and everybody. It was crazy. And then I gave my speech, I, you know, I, I told my story. Hopefully the kids learned took something from it. And then that's when I got an award from the governor, the governor there, you know, just just as a leader. But then after that, I decided to stick around. Me and Jamie wanted to stick around and see what they did, you know? So what they did was they had different workshops. And there was Lao, Lao students there. There was Hmong. There was some Cambodian. And there was some kids that just had friends that were Lao. So like, I'm going to go too, you know? And, um, and what they did was they had workshops, right? These kids were in groups and they would rotate. One workshop was teaching them how to, you know how the importance of the loud language of the rituals of, the, of why we go to the temple, why we pray, what does this mean, what does that mean right another workshop had financials like. How to manage your money, you know when you make money, this is what you should do, you know credit cards credit how important that was and then another one even had like. Um, just teaching like about college, you know when you're in college. If you don't have a major, that's okay. Do this, do that. So I didn't have that when I was young in my communities. But to see see that these kids have that in Fresno, what LACF is doing. I'm sure there's other organizations doing that in the country, too. Man, it it hit something in my heart here, man, and, and, and I loved it. I hope these kids take advantage of it take full advantage of it and, and use their resources because um the future is bright for for allow american students you know yeah
0: yeah that's incredible well so andre uh Ko and i uh, a few weeks ago ordered some pizza turned on your final fight together right Co. but uh, we yeah. live about five minutes apart and you hung up your gloves so the big question everybody has is what's next where are you going from here
2: Thank you guys for supporting me. First of all, you know, I, whenever someone tells me, Hey, I watched your fight or, um, listen, I'm always either in the main event or I'm on a pay-per-view or something. So you're, you're, you're paying money or you're staying up late to watch me fight. You're going live to watch me fight. You're buying a ticket. I appreciate every, every single person has ever supported me in any way. So thank you guys for, yeah. for watching my fight. I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, it makes me feel really special. And, um, Second of all, you know, I trained so hard for that fight. Um, I felt the best I've ever felt. I felt so good for five rounds. And um, although I didn't get beat up, although I didn't get all class, although I could have won the fight, you know, there was like 30 seconds left. I was hard. uh, I was just like, I don't know. You get that feeling sometimes, like. Hey, i'm sick of this <laughs> you know what i mean like in a good way though you know i've been i've been i was i've been a pro for 12 years i've been a fighter for 15 and i've been to the top i've been it's it's just like life it's up and downs up and down you know even financially it's up and downs up and downs you know it's, it's a crazy career and, and um i wanted some time to do other things you know and that's why i decided to hang them up but my goal before that was i wanted to try to get into one championship because I think that that would open up a lot of doors to um, fighters in Laos itself. There's a lot of good kickboxers and Muay Thai fighters in Laos, like the actual country of Laos. When I went to go visit, I went to go visit a couple of gyms and these guys are no joke. They can compete with anybody in Asia, in the world. That's what I really wanted to do. Um, although I did hung up my gloves, I might come back. You know, I just got re-inspired. I had a talk with some of the One one Championship um, employees while I was out there. They almost signed me once. And, and I know they want to sign me again when I was out there with my friend Adriano three weeks ago, four weeks ago. I did get me inspired. But right now, I'm just taking a break. And I'm getting my feet wet and some other things. Um, I'm kind of letting my inner artist out. You know, as a kid, I was so creative. I used to write a lot. I used to do theater arts, you know, I used to dance, I used to fawn, like I said, um, I enjoy that stuff, you know, um, theater arts I enjoyed the most in high school, you know, I played soccer, but I loved theater arts, It, it was crazy, I did that for four years, so fighting didn't really allow me to let my inner artist out, you know, it was like, I go train, I take care of my kids, I go back and train, I come home and sleep, it was like that for literally 15 years. So now I get to focus a little bit on some things and I got a couple of opportunities, maybe three years ago to do some film and stuff like that. So these past three years, I've been studying um, that, that, uh, that side of the business, like just film, just acting and um, writing and things like that. So that's kind of what I'm doing right now, getting myself into film. And, and taking these opportunities that, that, that are coming
1: my way. You know, sometimes your body needs a break, you know I mean? It's, it's cool that you said that there might be a chance. Uh,
2: Definitely. You know, Definitely. I'm still yeah. training. I still train <laughs> two, three times a week. I still go to the gym and, 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 you know, and I still train with the best guys in the world, you know, but for me you to know, say, I mean, Hey, I'm, I'm a- tired, like
1: five times, man. Yeah. <laughs> I always, do, you know, <laughs> right? So like, All right, so you know, man, you know, it's it just it, in the moment, right? It's yeah. like, man, I'm sick of this shit. I'm done with it, and you walk yeah. away, and I'm like, man, your heart takes you back, you know. So I've I retired a few times and came back. So yeah, and that was... You you also know when you want to do
2: something, you know, you got to give it a hundred percent, you know. And I felt like I gave MMA my hundred percent so many times, and and I would, you know, I would come up on top, and I would come up short sometimes. And lately I've been coming up short, you know, and I'm not quitting, you know, I'm not quitting. I never quit in a fight before, so I don't want people to think that I'm, I'm quitting. I'm just, I'm just putting my energy towards something else now, you know.
1: You know, I'm not an MMA expert, you know, at all. But, you know, the, the fight me and John watched, you know, as, as a fan, we wanted to see your style of fighting. I mean, yes. you know, the, 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 the knee, the punches, and this guy just like just a good Yeah. yeah you know and uh, sure. to me that's boring as a fan that's boring now maybe that's what you, you know that's how some guys fight but yeah. you know there's there's different types of fighters and you, you definitely have a more uh exciting style you know a yeah, fight
2: for sure yes so, and that's why you know styles make fights and, and uh he was a really good grappler he was a second degree brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt and if you ask anybody that takes 10 to 12 years to to, yeah. to be, you know, so he have been grappling for that long, but the thing that I was upset with him about was like he was literally just holding me, he wasn't trying to advance, he wasn't trying to submit me yeah. he wasn't even trying to punch me yeah. he was just holding me and that was his plan to literally let the time by go by and if he ends up on top, he won the round yeah. you know, so um, you know, when he did work, uh, kudos to him I have no hard feelings, the fight's over but if I ever wanted to come back and fight, you know Sometimes I'm like, oh, these guys are all young, 22 to 25. They want to fight me. I'm 33 years old now. But when I look at it, I'm in such good shape right now. I never took damage, that much damage in my career. I never been got, I never got knocked out, no surgeries, knock on wood. I'm perfectly healthy. So if I really, you know, if you see me come back, um, it won't be, you know, I would never say I'm washed up, but it won't be because – I'm desperate or anything. It's just because I'm i back to be the best.
1: So if I ever mm. come back, I'm back to be the best, always. Awesome, awesome. Never close the door, man. So. Yeah, thank you.
0: Well, that's that's awesome, Andre. So we'll wrap it up here. Any advice to the young guys out there, young ladies out there trying to pursue their dreams, whether it's MMA or whatever their passion is?
2: Um, Yeah, for sure. Stay working, stay humble, and stay in your lane. You know, remember that because there's going to be a lot of people that doubt you. People mm-hmm. be a lot of people that you think you need to impress. None of that matters. As long as you found a passion, as long as you enjoy doing what you, you do, as long as you know what you want to do, guess what? You got to put work into it. And that's every single day. You got to wake up. You got to think about that. You got to work towards that. And when you're there, guess what? You don't stop. You gotta You got to keep going, keep going, keep reaching that next level. And, that, and that's the only way to achieve your dreams. I know because I did it. I come from nothing. I, I never had a martial arts background. I never wrestled in high school. I started MMA when I was 18, fighting guys that wrestled their whole life, that, that uh, did martial arts since they were four years old. You know? and, I, and I beat some of those guys to get to the top level, to get to the UFC. And that's what I did. I just worked hard every day. And, and I didn't let anything distract me. I didn't let anything get in the way. I didn't let anybody's negativity ruin my dreams because I believed that I could do it. And when you work hard, you're going to believe that you can do it too. So,
1: okay, well,
0: Thank you so much. Andre. Man,
1: yeah, thank you. Thank you. Great, great story. You know, it's, it's, it's nice to finally meet you. I, you know, nice I know we, I we 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 see each other on, on IG and all that it's yeah. nice to finally
2: meet you and uh, you time,
0: thank you I thank you. Uh,
1: John, you wanna you. any last words?
0: Oh, well everybody that's the end of the show and, and uh hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for coming on Andre. The C4 Podcast is brought to you by the Lao American Sports Hall of Fame. Visit us on the web at Lao celebrating the first inspiring the next.